What the hell's the name of this thing? The Ballsy Podcast. Hosted by the award-winning Evan Grant. This is my baby. And these two were just along riding my carpet, my carpet table. Kevin Sherrington. I did not choose the dance life. It chose me. Barry Horn. You know what my intention is? When's the last time that anybody has ever asked you a question? No one's ever asked me a question. I'm married. Get ready for the most listened to sports podcast in Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm Evan Grant, and this is Balls. I'm Kevin Sherrington, and in this episode, we're going to talk about the Cowboys. And I'm Barry Horn. To hear our other exciting additions, simply subscribe to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. You know, we're on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search Ballsy Podcast. That's Ballsy with a Z. So sit back, relax, that's relax with an X, and enjoy another edition of the Cowboys Ballsy with a Z podcast. And our guest now is uh, Mr. NFL Studio for ESPN, Trey Wingo. Trey, how are you? Good, guys. How are you, Barry? Thanks for having me on. Uh, thanks, for, thanks for being on. I, it's, I know it's a busy time of year. I, I got up this morning. I heard you on Mike and Mike. What time, what time have you been up, up since this morning, this Tuesday morning? Uh, probably about 4 a.m. 4 a.m.? Uh, get in there. Yeah, I get in there about 4.45, and the show goes on at 6 Eastern. So it would have been 3 o'clock your time. Three, and and it's, uh, I hear you have a little <laughs> snow there. Oh, it's the, yeah, this is literally the worst time of the year here because everywhere else you see signs of spring and hope, and we're getting maybe up to two feet today. So it's just <laughs> March to May. Look, when I was a kid, my dad used to come home from work and just grumble because he, he grew up in Texas, and, uh, and he would be like, oh, it's so bad. I'm like, what? It's just what it is. I grew up in Connecticut. This is the way it is. And then you go somewhere else, and you realize the rest of the world gets out of hibernation much faster than we do. So now that I've gotten older and gone to other places and lived in other places, I get what made my dad so frustrated. I can handle, like, December, January, February. It's, it's winter. It's supposed to be cold. But getting to May 1st is just like four years in, in actual time if you live in the Northeast. <laughs> so you're, you're in Connecticut right now. And yep. where, where's your yep. dad from in Texas? My dad's from San Antonio. My mom's from Texarkana. And um, a lot of my relatives uh, live in the Dallas-Fort Worth area still. So they'll all be tuning in for this, correct? Oh, absolutely. We'll pin the needle on this podcast. <laughs> hey, so, so does, does that explain why a kid from Connecticut – a uh, nice town in Connecticut, wound up in Waco, Greenwich, Texas. At yeah. Greenwich, yeah. Uh, yeah. At, in uh, Waco, Texas? At yes. Uh, the most part of it is. Everybody in my family, most, almost everybody in my family went to Baylor. My mom, my dad, uh, my dad's sisters, uh, my sister, you know, every, almost everybody in our family went to Baylor. Now, I did have the explicit desire to be the first one to not go to Baylor. Uh, just because I wanted to do something different. So I applied to five schools. I applied to Syracuse, North Carolina, uh, University of Missouri, and, uh, Baylor, and University of Colorado. My first clear choice was North Carolina. Uh, and, you know, back then, and I don't think it's changed much, it was 85% North Carolinian. So I went down for my uh, school visit, and they said, just so you know, we start out of state, 4.0 GPA, 1,600 in your SATs, when those were the maxes you could score back then. Uh, and school president. And I said, well, this has been a wonderful trip. Thanks very much. I knew I had no chance of getting in there. But Syracuse was just too cold. I didn't want to deal with that. Uh, so it came down to Colorado, Missouri, and Baylor. And I knew I, – I, I, I skied a little in high school. That was my one sport of, of some aptitude, and I was uh, actually a ski instructor after graduating from college. 
uh, for a little while. So I knew if I went to Colorado, I probably wouldn't make it a month before I failed out and just became a ski bum. So that ruled out Colorado. And then it was Baylor, which was very familiar, and University of Missouri, where my dad got his uh, journalism degree, master's degree in journalism. So I went to Columbia, uh, Missouri. This was in the early 80s. And Boone County, Missouri was not exactly a happening place, and it made Waco look that much more attractive. And that's kind of how I ended up at Baylor. So you went to Baylor because you thought Waco was a hot place. Well, again, everything, everything is in, nothing happens in a vacuum, okay? Uh, you know, Columbia and Boone County, Missouri were not quite as, you know, 90 minutes up the road was Dallas, 90 minutes south was Austin. You know, we, were, we were frequent visitors on the I-35 North and South train, but yeah. Look, I had a great time, and uh, I still there are still like five or six core friends that I hang out with, and, and every year after the draft, actually, we go take a little golf golf uh, trip together. So, yes, but no, this is this is the newspaper there. industry, Trey, and you know what we're going to do is on the website the transcript for this will say Wingo picked Baylor because it was a, Waco was a hot spot, so that'll probably and that's be why the newspapers headline. Newspapers are failing. Or, or, uh, by the way, you know Jim Lampley went to North Carolina. He got in, yeah, from out of state. Yeah, he, yeah well, he, he he was better than me. <laughs> That's good, go. Barry. Way to way to go, Barry. Willing, way, way to make the field I'm the guests feel welcome. That point. I'm willing to concede that point. So, Trey, before we get into NFL talk, I think we do have to, since we've got you here, I think we do have to ask you what your what your general feeling is on the Baylor situation and what's gone on there over the last few months. It's not months, it's years. And yeah. that just something else happened today. You know, they had to get rid of somebody else. And my thing has always been, and I've said this on the air when I've done Mike and Mike, and I've said it before, they've got to get it right. And what, what they've tried to do is limit the damage the entire way. And, and you know what happens. That's like trying to fix a leaky faucet with tape. And it never quite gets it done. And these little drips and drabs keep coming out. And, look, all of us in the industry know how law firms work, Right. You have to pay for billable hours. So when they presented that air quotes, which you can't see here, oral report uh, from whatever the name of that law firm was, Pepper something? Pepper Hamilton. Hamilton, yeah. Pepper Hamilton. Okay. You're telling me that there was nobody accounting for their work and there was nobody accounting for the hours so they could show people this is all the work they did. That, that's not possible. Okay, at some point, at some time, there was a complete layout of everything that went on that they found in that report, and Baylor chose to receive it in an oral presentation, which is an easy way to say, well, we never saw the thing in full. Well, okay, you can do that, but not many people are going to buy it, and I don't think many people have bought it. And I think that Matt Rule was a really good hire for them, for the, for the program, and I think he's going to do good things, but until there's a full accounting of everything that went on, it's going to continue to be this way, and, and in many ways, the administration, and not the athletic department, the administration is to blame for this because of the way they've chosen to handle it. You know, uh, I think the most disturbing thing uh, about the, the Pepper Hamilton report is that, uh, and, and what it alleged, uh, and then when we came out later on with the, one of the lawsuits uh, and uh, and the lawyer said alleged that over a four-year period there were 52 sexual assaults um, yep. and uh, and and really no one has come out and said you know what that's outlandish that's not true and they and all they've said is that well you know pepper hamilton was not responsible for reporting everything that happened just to give us an yeah. idea and that is the see, i think that's the scariest worse. part about this whole uh, investigation to me that, that's that's even worse. What what university wouldn't want to say? We need to know exactly what happened in full detail, so we can make sure that we are we are 
have gone to every great length to make sure we uncover everything that went wrong and go about fixing it. Well, I just, you, that, at some point in time... That like pretty standard. Yeah. At some point in time, you kind of have to reverse the, the polarity there, I think, a little bit, because it's, it's, it's clearly been a situation at Baylor where it's been about saving face and protecting the athletic department versus getting it right for the university and for the students there. I completely agree, and that's why, what, two Title IX officers now have decided that, uh, that they don't feel like it's a place where they can work. And right. Again, I'm not excusing anything that went on on the athletic side. I'm not. Right. But at the end of the day, dealing with all of these issues, that's an administrative issue. That's not an athletic issue. That's an administrative issue. And the questions about the way it was handled administratively are the, are the more serious long-term questions that need to be answered. Trey, you've put in a lot of hours over the last couple of, couple of weeks on NFL free agency. Uh, this, is, this is a transition. Transition. I'm using air quotes yeah. now. Yeah, transition. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. Well, our Evan. No, go ahead. Do you want to continue your cross-examination? No, it's good. We're good. We're, let's move okay, on to okay, NFL no, free agency. Let's talk about NFL because that's what, that's what we build this as. Um, you, you spent a lot of hours in the ESPN studio talking about this. How do you think it's shaken out for the Cowboys thus far? Uh, not great for a couple of reasons. Look, it, obviously it was sort of a magical season last year when they went 13-3. and three. Now, losing Ronald Leary in free agency, I don't think that hurts them at all because everybody expects Lael Collins to go in there and actually play better than Ronald Leary. And had Collins been healthy, he would have played over Ronald Leary. So let's take Ronald Leary out of it for a second. But they've been dinged a little bit in free agency on the defensive line. They've been dinged a little bit uh, in the secondary. And they need to come up with two things. They need a more consistent pass rush, and they need uh, a ball hawk on that secondary that can take the ball away. Those are the things that really stop them uh, in the postseason loss to the Green Bay Packers. I mean, the offense moved up and down the field, as they were wanting to do. Now, there were some questionable coaching decisions in that game. I mean, it's first and 10 from the 15-yard line right before the half, and you have the number one-ranked uh, rushing team in football, and you decide to throw it three straight times. I'd say that was a mistake. Uh, and there were some other things where I thought they were too heavy on the pass instead of letting Zeke Elliott in that offensive line uh, do what they do best. But they have got to find more playmakers on defense. Can it be Demarcus Lawrence if he's healthy for a season? Maybe. We have no idea what we're ever going to see out of Randy Gregory. Uh, I think Byron Jones is going to be a very solid player for them for a long time. But they need to find, and I believe the term that's been bandied about by folks in the organization or in the press, a war daddy pass rusher. Isn't that what we're looking for? It's, and it's I, I don't think DeMontre Moore... Yeah, I don't think DeMontre Moore uh, figures that. I mean, he's, he's someone that can rush the passer, but I don't think anybody's looking at him and saying, well, problem solved. So but that's what they need to do. I think the interesting thing about this whole issue for me is that uh, what we saw what Jerry Jones used to do and certainly what he did when he signed uh, Brandon Carr to that five-year deal, five year, I believe it was a five-year $50 million deal, which never really panned out. I mean, Brandon's been a nice player, but he certainly hasn't, didn't really live up to that contract. Uh, and, and is that all of a sudden now we see the Cowboys doing a complete reversal. They're not spending any money really in free agency. They're, spent, they're, they're getting guys on the cheap, guys like DeMontre Moore, uh, guys who are just filling in, which, you know, I, I'm not saying that's a bad idea. But, uh, of course, I'm a guy who campaigned last year and saying they should have signed Olivier Vernon because he was the best right. pass rusher in free agency. He was young. Uh, this is you're not paying a guy for what he's what he's done really. You're paying him for you know what you expect him to do, um, and I certainly I guess you could say that the the, the Giants are 
uh, are not sure if that was money well spent considering how it kind of uh, it raised the, the bar for everybody else. But uh, from your perspective, looking at Jerry Jones now, what do you, you know, he was always looked at as a guy who spent a lot of money and now maybe not so much. Is that the, the national perception of him as well? Well, I think that he's got people around him that are trying to rein him in a little bit, okay, uh, like Stephen and Will McClay. And I think they're a very positive influence on Jerry Jones. Um, look, Jerry is always going to be about the sizzle. And I think that, and it, look, it's made him a very rich man. Okay, just look at the stadium, okay? That, that thing is, is, is sizzleicious. But sometimes the stake is just as important. And, you know, the idea of not drafting Johnny Manziel and taking uh, Martin in the draft, that turned out to be pretty well, and that was the right choice to make, okay? Um, I believe that all good teams are built from the inside out, not the outside in. Uh, and I think that that's the model they're trying to find. And I'm not saying, and you're right, that they've tried to make the splashy things with Greg Hardy and all this stuff, and it just didn't work for a variety of reasons. Uh, but you do have to address your needs. And what you do, you have to have a plan and say, this is the way we're going to do it, and then find players that fit into that plan that you want to do. Uh, and maybe they're pretty – look, there's a lot of people that think there's a lot of pass rushers and corners in, in this draft that, that'll be very strong, and that's fine. Um, but I'm not sure if you can count every year on, on rookies leading your team like the way they did on the offense this year with, with Dak and Zeke, obviously. So they're going to have to address the pass rush. Uh, they restructured Sean Lee's deal to try and free up some cap money to try and make something happen. Um, but they – Look, they have to find a more consistent pass rush. That's the bottom line, because a pass rush will lead to the turnovers. Pressure creates everything else. Trey, has word filtered up uh, through the snow to Connecticut about uh, Zeke and his uh, uh, the merriment he had at the St. Patrick's Day parade here in, in Dallas? Uh, yes, it has, and it's certainly something that was being discussed today, uh, not on Mike and Mike, but on uh, on a bunch of the shows. And you know, Again, there's, a per- there's perception and there's reality. And what I mean by that is because of the other things that Zeke is being under scrutiny for, the perception of him uh, having that merriment moment, I guess, for lack of a better term, uh, becomes an issue. And this is, this, is, this is some of the things that, are, you know, that he's going to have to learn and have to learn pretty quickly, uh, that the idea of what you can and can't do is very much shaped on how people perceive you to begin with and, and what, they're, what, the, what they think about you going into the situation where something like that may arise. And I think that that's something that, that needs to be addressed with Zeke and needs to be addressed very quickly. You've been around athletes for decades. Why don't they get it? Why doesn't he get that? Well, you know, that's a great question. And the only way I can answer that is everybody's different. And I think athletes, saying athletes is, is, is a too much of a broad term because look, let's look at Dak. Okay, Dak to me is twenty. What is he? Twenty three, going on forty in yeah. terms of his the way he, he is. That's just who he is. That's how he was raised. And I, I'm not. Let me. I want to rephrase. I have no idea what the difference was and how uh, Zeke was raised or not. I'm not going into that. What I'm saying is people are just wired differently. Russell Wilson. The first time I met him, I felt like I was talking to a senator. I mean, in the good way. You know, like a guy who was mature and willing to do this. And then you see Johnny Manziel. Obviously, very very different. Um, there are certain people that are, that are wired a certain way and have a certain predisposition as to how they're going to act. There are old souls, and there are very young souls. I, and, you know, I, I look at this, and I, I just watched the video again, and it, uh, the idea of a, Barry, your words, merriment moment, I think. 
it's such an you know it, it's just an inappropriate thing to do. It borders yeah. on sexual yeah. assault, and yeah, there's no excuse for it. And I, I don't understand. In Dallas, we all know if you live here that the St. Patrick's Day parade is the closest thing we have to Mardi Gras, the most debauched moment pretty much in the in the city. Why would you even go there? Why would you even put yourself in that situation? Because every camera there is going to be trained on you. You're the star yeah. of the Dallas Cowboys. That's exactly right. Well, you know, this is uh, the same thing we were talking about with Zeke in the preseason when he went to visit, uh, you know, uh, that uh, shop up in Washington where things were legal, and I get that, but understand that everyone's going to have a different perception of right. that. Uh, and, and I don't think that he under – look, it's a uh, it's a process that everybody has to go through, and uh, you know I, I wish I could answer that for you. If I could answer that for you, I make a ton of money as a therapist, you know, and I can say, well, this is what you have to. I, I don't. Human beings are different. Human beings are are look at things differently, and sometimes the thought process goes through it completely, completely different. Um, I, I have no idea why he would do that, and will put himself in that position. It, it's certain. I don't see where it helps them in any way, shape, or form. The thing I don't understand about it is that th- these are people. Look, Barry and I, especially, we're old, and uh, and we grew up in a time before everything you do, you put up uh, on social media, and and so yeah. these are people who who grew up in social media and certainly understand that I take a picture of this, or someone's going to take a picture of me, and it's going to show up here. And for them not to understand that is still what fascinates me, is that you you have grown up in this generation, and you understand, and you take videos of these things. We had a discussion with my youngest daughter just the other day about this. Don't have your friends, if you're out doing something that might be just a little bit questionable, at least to your parents, don't have your friends (laughs) filming you and putting it up on Instagram. I mean, that's just... That's yeah. just crazy to me. But that goes, that goes back to, I think, a more basic truth. Forget about the, 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 the camera aspect of it. Forget about the video aspect and, the, and, and that that we live in. It's just not appropriate to go and pull somebody's clothes down. No, no, no. I know that. What, I, what I'm saying is obviously that's true. And so, I, I mean, before we ever get to the video part, how do we not understand that part? But see, here's the thing. I'm saying that I think this stuff has gone on forever with athletes. And that, oh, it's something they've gotten away with is amazing. Right. You and, can't, but they just don't, they you, still don't understand. They that. don't. No, no, no. They don't understand that. And they, because they think everything is given to them. And right. and then so it's, it's all right out there. I get that. You know, what I don't get is that you grew up in this generation. You should understand this. And these guys make so much money. The fact that they've got to go out to nightclubs and get in places. Why don't you just have a, the party at your house? Right. And, and and that way you avoid all that. You can have everything there that you possibly want. Why go out and risk all this? I, I don't understand that. I don't get it. Well, look, you know, I, I guess that's part of the process. I mean, some scientists will tell you that a brain is fully formed until, what, 23, 24 years old, and then you put in external affairs. And, look, there's, there's, no, there's nothing about this that's a good look for him. Let's be clear about that. Uh, especially the fact that he's still being investigated by the NFL for what allegedly happened with his girlfriend in Columbus. Right. Um, the thought process to get from there to there uh, is something that I think that hopefully my son would 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 figure out and and you know had to avoid that and you know my kids would, would think I, I, the, the hardest thing for anybody to do I think is to get inside the brain of somebody else some other twenty one year old to figure out why they do things. But you're right. Well, he has to know, especially after what happened up in Washington, that, you know, oh, look, there's he killing. Click, 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 click. And then he had to explain that. Uh, you, you have to understand your surroundings. Look, 
And, and the Dallas Cowboys are different. They are. Uh, they're, when, when they're winning, there's nothing bigger uh, for, a, for a variety of reasons than being a winning, successful player on the Dallas Cowboys. And uh, yeah, I, I just looking at this again, I'm just not sure how I can say any part of this was a good idea, and I don't understand why his people, his managers, would not say to him, "Hey, these are things." You, to me, if he can't do it, then the people around him need to say, "This is why you can't do it." And if that's not working, then then that probably needs to change. I mean, I, just, I we had this conversation. Not that I was going to go to the parade and pull Gina's top down, but that's his wife. You were thinking about that? Yeah. No, but we had the conversation on Friday about possibly going down to the parade. I've never been to the parade. She she likes St. Patrick's Day. It's a big deal for her. We thought about going down there, and then I I spent five minutes just googling some stuff online. I was like, you know, I don't want to go down to Lower Greenville. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be nuts. Right. There's going to be people there acting like fools, and it's basically amateur hour. Why put ourselves in the middle of that? And we don't care about cameras. I I, I don't. If you grew up in this generation, why wouldn't you spend five minutes saying, "Is this a situation where I might put myself in a bad light?" And, and well, you're right. I mean, Trey, we don't we don't have answers, and that's that that's more of a that's more of us just acting like old men at this point in time. But I, I, I it still to me doesn't. The synapses just don't connect there it, it, on, on why you wouldn't, knowing what you have at stake, why you wouldn't just make more prudent decisions. Well, what's the greatest line ever? Why is youth wasted on the young? That's right. I mean, that's, that's, that's one of the best ones. And look, you know, is this a fatal thing for Zeke? No, but he, he needs to be asked about this. I mean, I mean, I think he needs to be held accountable for it, and he, we need to get an explanation from him, you know. Just running for 1,600 yards is not going to excuse all this kind of stuff. And right. that's part of this process. And whether it's right or wrong, you know, these guys need to grow up very quickly now in this day and age. But as you said, they've been with it already, okay? You know, I'm, I'm very thankful that my kids have sort of been on the other side of it now. Right. Um, but, you know, this is the hardest thing, I think, for every parent going forward is trying to navigate through this thing where, you know, this is just – we're going to be in an, in an era very soon where every single part of a president's life will be online. Every single part, and that's yep. you know that's that's going to be an interesting thing, for lack of a better term, going forward. But Trey, we, before we let you go, we wanted to talk about uh, the rest of the NFC. Oh, East. Kevin's allowed it. Transition. I'm not though, right? Evan? Well, oh, because okay, you hijacked the conversation well, before we even got to the rest of the NFC oh, East. So we need to ask you that since we talked about the Cowboys, so so who had who who won uh, 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 the winner for uh, for the far. NFC East? Thus far, free That's agency. Free, in free agency? Yes, sir. I don't think anybody. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's been sort of a – I mean, certainly not Washington. You know, I mean, they're right. – they're, 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 Well, they they're lost a general manager. Right well, they, yeah, well there's, there's a whole lot going on there. That, that seemed like about. a really yeah. weird time, too. Yeah. Yeah, I'll say. Well, look, it, it, look it's, it's awful because of the way it was presented. And, you know, it, you know, Chris Cooley, who was a part of that and sort of suggesting that, that alcohol might have been a problem there with Scott, uh, has already apologized and realized, you know, there was a horrible thing and I shouldn't have done it. Look, if Scott has issues, then that's for Scott to work out. Right. But, you know, uh, and, and that's something that I don't know, and that's something that a lot of people don't know. But when you start speculating about that stuff, that's extremely dangerous. Um, and, you know, look, this function has been with Washington long before Scott McLuhan got there. In fact, the last two years, they've been much better. In recent than they have been in recent memory. Um, so, you know, but Scott has had some issues in the past. I have no idea if those things are coinciding with why he let go in Washington, but 
Uh, if you don't know with 100%, that stuff should never come out of your mouth. Uh, you know, we've had Washington leave for the first time ever in free agency. 2,000-yard receivers have left in the same offseason. Sean Jackson's in Tampa, and uh, Pierre Garçon is in, is in San Francisco. There's a big issue with the quarterback and, and, the, and the front office and why they don't seem to think that he's worthy of a long-term deal. That's puzzling to me. Uh, so they're, they're a mess. You know, Philadelphia is still trying to, to develop Carson Wentz, and um, they've signed a couple of receivers, but I don't think we've seen any of those receivers that have gone there and be like, well, they're changing the face of that organization. Uh, and then the Giants. The Giants might have been the steadiest of all by just picking up Brandon Marshall because, uh, you know, suddenly you can do a lot of things with three wide receiver sets there. And, you know, Marshall is not the explosive wide receiver he was, but he's, he's still a very solid, solid option, and you put him inside and you have Victor Cruz and Sterling Shepard on the outside. There, there's a lot of ways you're going to have to try and defend that team. Um, Beck- so, uh, well, they'll have Beckham. By, by doing uh, Trey, they'll have Beckham. They cut Victor Cruz, right? No, I'm sorry. I meant Sterling Shepard. Did I, did I, did I say Cruz? I'm sorry. I meant no. Odell Beckham. Right. Yeah. 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 Odell Beckham and Sterling Shepard on the outside, and then uh, 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 and then you have Brandon Marshall on the inside. So, you know, they 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 seem to do very well. And I, I, I will I will I will caution people about success from one year to the next because it doesn't really exist in the NFL outside of when the Colts had Peyton Manning. Uh, when the Patriots and uh, when the Patriots have Tom Brady, and when the Broncos had Peyton Manning, uh, success year in year out is very very difficult in the NFL, especially for a rookie quarterback. Hey, 2012, who was the quarterback that was going to reshape the landscape of the NFL? Robert Griffin III. Yep. He'll be lucky if he's on a team in 2017. That's how fast it turns. Now, I do believe that Dak has more of a relatable skill set that will go toward a longer term success, but understand. Just because he had a great rookie year, it means nothing is guaranteed going forward. I mean, it does change very quickly, and if you don't adapt and continue to grow your own game, they will move you by, and you, you'll be thinking, wait, what happened? You know, I, I talked to Dak a little bit at the Super Bowl. We had a chance to do a couple of things together. and I think he's going to be fine, and I think that his skill set is a little more relatable to long-term success than what RG3's was, because I, I'm like... To me, a running quarterback is like a nuclear deterrent. You want the threat of it, but you really don't want to use it unless you absolutely have to. You know, There's a reason why we see a lot of young running quarterbacks and not a lot of old. So eventually, to sustain long-term success in the NFL, you have to be able to throw accurately from the pocket. And I think Dak was making that transition going forward as the year unfolded. So would you be uh, cautioning the Cowboys not to be so hasty in, in getting rid of Tony Romo? Well, look, if, if you could make it work, it's the ideal situation because he's going to make a ton of money and you've invested around Dak. But, yeah, I mean, Tony Romo is the perfect backup. I mean, literally the perfect backup because he's played in five games over the last two years. And when he's on, he's terrific. His last full season in 2014 had one of the best seasons of anybody in the NFL. And yeah, Dez caught it, by the way, in Green Bay. So they should have <laughs> no, gone to the NFC Championship game. You should tell everybody you grew up a Cowboy fan. Shouldn't you? Well, I did. Okay. I did. I grew up a Cowboys fan. Um, as I said, my whole family's from Texas. I took my dad to all three Super Bowls in the 90s, including some of the friends who might be listening to this. We all went. But as you get on in this business, you realize that it, there are good guys and bad guys on every team, and you just sort of like to see the good guys do well. So it, it does take the fandom comes off a little bit. But, you know, look, Tony Romo is the most underappreciated player in football over the last six, seven, eight years. And, you know, the narrative that stuck with him from a fumbled snap in a wild-card game when no other starting quarterback would be out there, by the way, as your holder. Uh, so take that.
that out of it, and I think the narrative changes dramatically. Um, so uh, his numbers speak for themselves over the last four or five years that he's played, and I, you know, it would be perfect if you could work it out. But I think he wants, if he's going to play, I think he wants to play. Um, and then the question then becomes, well, can you get anything for him? And it looks like that's not going to be much. So I think they're going to have to be forced to release him. Where would you like to see him wind up? Well, you know, I, I do think the best case scenario for him is Houston, and then Jerry has to decide if uh, he's okay with that, for lack of a better term. Because look, you have a much better offensive line uh, than you have in Denver in Houston. You have the number one defense from last year in Houston, and that was without JJ Watt playing. You have a steady running back in Lamar Miller. You have a game-breaking wide receiver in DeAndre Hopkins, and you are in a division that is eminently winnable in the AFC South. I think they've won it the last two years at, what, 8-8 eight and eight or 9-7, and seven, something like that, 10-6, and six, I don't know. Uh, uh, you know, this is not a division that you need to be 13-3 and three in to win the division. It's ready-made for him in Houston. The question is, and look, obviously they're going to be looking for a quarterback as they just traded away Brock Osweiler, uh, you know, for a pick, for lack of a better term. Uh, so that seems to be the perfect situation. Denver, look, the, the, the division in the AFC West is so much tougher, and there are defenses that will take you apart in Khalil Mack and everybody else and Joey Bosa, young pass rushers in that division that will come after you. Uh, so, And Kansas City has them too. Uh, Houston makes all the sense in the world. The question is, uh, will he be released or will he be traded to get there, and will he play? Because uh, there, there are other things that, that Tony Romo can do, and people are very high on him doing those things. All right, Trey, we're going to let you get out and um, enjoy the blizzard. But uh, before we let oh, you yeah. go, um, we had a very intense discussion here this morning before you came on the air. Uh, are, who was the maid uh, in uh, the maid robot in the Jetsons? Are you aware of that? Yeah, meet George Jetson, his wife, daughter Jane, his wife. Uh, Astro, the, the name of the name of the maid? The maid. We, the robot. The we dog were was for the Astro, robot. Yeah. Astro was the dog. We were Astro looking the for the dog. robot. George Jetson, his wife, Judy. His, his wife, wife uh, Jane. Jane. Jane, daughter, Judy. Jane, his wife, Astro. His was boy, it, Elroy. I, his boy, Elroy, yeah. Uh, was it Irona or something like that? Yeah. Ooh, Irona. That would have been a good I name. I don't it was, think so. It was Rosie the Robot. <laughs> Rosie <laughs> the Robot made. Yeah. Irona. I wrote it might have been Richie Rich's robot from the comic book. That might have been that one. I don't know. Uh, he, uh, yeah, I think that, he might have had he might have had a, a robot housekeeper as well. But yeah, thank you for playing. That. I gotta say, of, of all the of all the questions, that was not one I was expecting. <laughs> well, I I don't know how we got onto the Jetsons at some point in time, but but it came up this morning, so it was on my computer and. Since you know the score of every Super Bowl, I figured I'd run the Jetsons characters by you. Well, I, I wish I could have done better there. Uh, I could have sang the entire, entire Gilligan's Island theme song. That would have been uh, fascinating to four people uh, all over the age of 60. But there you go. <laughs> well, you're, well talking, you're hitting you're our talking, demographic right there. You're talking to the demographic. Trey, we really you appreciate guys the, real, You guys are really hitting the millennial audience that listens to podcasts. Right? Oh, we, yeah, we really... This is target marketing at its best. Um, we really appreciate you taking time with us this morning, and um, thanks for the conversation on Baylor, the Cowboys, and uh, NFL Zeke, free agency. Tony, the Zeke, yep, the Zeke and Tony were both members of the Cowboys. Yeah, yeah. There you go. It's a lot to cover there. Yeah. Can I ask a question? Sure, Barry. Trey, sure. you mentioned you had a son. What, is his? Is his? Is he the fourth? He is the fourth. Yes. So does that make him quad wingo? Uh, kind 
of, not really. <laughs> He's the fourth. We call him by his middle name. So that's that's the way we do that. There you go. Trey, it's been great having you on, um, and we appreciate it. Take care now. No questions from you, Barry. Okay, bye, Trey. <laughs> Thanks, Trey. Thanks, everybody. Appreciate it. You bet. See ya. Thanks for listening to the Cowboys Ballsy with a Z podcast. Don't forget to subscribe via iTunes. You'll get new episodes every week. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, sports fans, see you.